Hello everybody and welcome to another edition of the Africast. My name is Brendan Lotz and joining me as always is Clinton Matos. Hello again everybody. And Robin Lichetti. Howdy. I'm not even asking how you guys are doing. It's been a terrible week. Thanks, ESCOM. Um, <laughs> this week we're going to be chatting about uh, some Norse mythology, or rather some things that are centered around it. Uh, but before that, let's get into the news of the week. Clinton, you reviewed a uh, keyboard this week. Yes, it's the keyboard called the James Donkey RS4. That really is what it's called. I don't know why it's called that, but that's its name. So this is a Gatoron yellow keyboard, and uh, you can check out our review and links to everything else that we talk about today. But what makes this one special, aside from everything that I mentioned in the review, is also the shop that it came from. So uh, we were reached out to by a company called Mech Keys, which is a uh, overseas keyboard reseller. And we were talking to them about getting this review unit in. But what makes them um, special and what uh, South Africans should take note of is that they ship directly to South Africa. And um, taxes and import duty and all of that is actually baked into the price of the stuff you buy, which makes it really compelling. Um, I've been looking for some speciality keyboards on places like Amazon. And because they're so heavy and it's a... Uh, an electronic which has higher taxes the cost to bring it into the country would basically double through amazon so having a service like this is really valuable for local people and i was showing this to a few friends who really like mechanical keyboards and they're like oh no ways i've never seen this place um i'm really excited by what's on offer and the thing is while the store is in dollars um for example again this keyboard that i reviewed is a hundred dollars or 99 dollars um, when I wrote the review, if you convert that to rands, which was about 1,600 rand when I wrote the story, if you look at the cost of other mechanical keyboards of brands that are sold in South Africa, you'll struggle to find something with these features and made with this quality. I mean, I've been using a, um, a Logitech keyboard and just the quality of the switches and the quality of the plastic uh, used in the keycaps it's night and day. The James Donkey is so much better. It's it's actually a bit embarrassing. And it's not just uh, Logitech. I'm not just um, signaling them out. It's just that the Logitech was the last big brand I used before this James Donkey um, review. It's crazy how much better the quality is from this ridiculously named Chinese company compared to, you know, a big multinational brand that is um, officially in South Africa. So, yeah, to spoil my review, but I have only mostly positive things to say. Um, another big bonus that I want to mention before we move on to other things here is how simple it is. There is no external software you need. I I really hate the fact that a lot of keyboards and mice and even headsets you buy nowadays to unlock all their features that they advertise on the box and on the website, you have to download third-party external software. And that software, which is usually rather bloated, has to sit on your computer and run 24-7 just so you can uh, control things like lighting or macros or stuff like that. So I'm very happy with the James Donkey RS4. Um, even though I prefer uh, tactile and clicky switches, these linear Gatron yellows are absolutely awesome. I love them so much. Um, yeah, they're fantastic. So yeah, basically just positive things to say. The two negatives I did want to mention, and I do point this out in the review, is that the battery does not last as long as I would want it to. Um, it only lasted for me between four and six days uh, of, I wouldn't say heavy use, but I would say 
you know, extended periods of use. I think everybody's spending more time at their computers doing a lot of work. So I would have liked a bigger battery. And then I also would have liked um, a USB pass-through or an audio pass-through or both, hopefully. And you don't get either of those here. But again, like I said, this is a $99 keyboard. And in the world of mechanical keyboards, that is actually a good deal. It's actually on the cheaper side. So those are premium features I am asking for. And I find that saying that is just nitpicking. So James Donkey, it gets a thumbs up from me. And the Mac Keys website people should check out if they are looking for keyboard from overseas without paying for ridiculous shipping. And also, it doesn't go through the post office. I know some overseas companies um, will just say, oh, we, we passed it off to the, the, the post office. Good luck. Um, because they have no experience in South Africa and they don't know that that basically means your delivery would never happen. So, yeah, almost full marks for both the keyboard and the keyboard reseller. And you can check out my review in the link below. Cool. Uh, Robin, you've got some news about it now being illegal to hurl insults at people online in Japan. Yeah, so the Japanese government passed a rather, quote-unquote, interesting law. Uh, it comes into effect as of 7th July, and essentially means uh, if you post insults online or some kind of comments, uh, hate comments, uh, it can earn you a pretty sizable fine. Um, the government is saying up to 300,000 yen. And uh, given the current exchange rate, that equates to roughly 37,000 rand. So it's a pretty hefty fine. Um, based on the severity of the insults or um, the ramifications of what you're doing online, um, you could also see a full year in prison. So um, it, it, they are definitely not uh, taking a, a relaxed view on, on uh, I guess online hate, uh, bullying online. Um, they're looking to be quite aggressive as far as how they police it. Um, this is not necessarily a new law, but rather it's an extension of an existing one. So uh, previously, if you were found to be guilty of hurling uh, online insults at people in Japan, you could face up to 30 days in jail or a, a spot 10,000 yen fine, which is around about 1,200 rand. So it's obviously increased uh, significantly in terms of scale uh, for the actual punishment. And um, yeah, it has, uh, for obvious reasons, received some criticism. There's obviously always going to be talk around freedom of speech. Also, it isn't necessarily clearly defined as to what an online insult is. Um, and again, Japan isn't necessarily unique in the fact that it has to deal with uh, online bullying culture that exists throughout the world. But I think there have been a few kind of high-profile incidents uh, involving kind of online hate. The most immediate one that comes to mind is that of Hana Kimura. Uh, she committed suicide, and she was a semi-professional wrestler and also a contestant on a popular reality series called Terrace House. Uh, it's available to stream on Netflix if you are interested. Um, and her, I guess, her performance on the show, on the series, uh, drew a lot of criticism from people that are watching. And as a result, they started hurling abuse at her online. And um, she unfortunately decided to take her own life as a result of that. So I guess it, it, it's cases like that that uh, the Japanese government are looking at and are trying to kind of stop incidents like that in future from happening. Um, as we have seen, the moment you start policing social media quite heavily, it can, obviously, it can definitely have a kind of blowback effect. It can have, sometimes have the complete opposite effect. So... It remains to be seen what this new law will do as far as people uh, uh, abusing others online. 
and also um, the Japanese government are going to be looking at this law and its impact um, in three years' time. So they'll then assess it then and kind of see whether or not it has, in fact, impacted freedom of speech or whether it has had a positive effect in terms of how much online hate there is in the country. So it is an interesting law. Um, the cynic in me doesn't really have much hope for it as far as kind of stopping people from abusing others online. It's just unfortunately the nature of social media. We covered a story last year around Instagram and how it has proven to have kind of a negative effect on young women's self-image. So yeah, it's it's unfortunately the nature of the beast when it comes to social media. Um, how effectively a government institution can police that remains to be seen. But yeah, it looks like Japan are, are taking a pretty hard stance on it. Like it, right? Uh, we are recording this on Thursday morning, which means that we are in the midst of stage four load shedding. Uh, at least we think it's stage four. Uh, that's what ESCOM says. But the power grid has been suffering for the last month, uh, thanks to an extended strike by ESCOM employees. Uh, ESCOM offered employees a salary increase of one point five percent, and trade unions said that that's not what they wanted. So trade unions began protesting. And uh, this week, eventually, wage negotiations were successful. Uh, ESCOM, together with the National Union of Mine Workers, the National Union of Metal, Metal Workers of South Africa and Solidarity, reached an agreement to see salary increases amounting to 7% for employees. Uh, these increases will be, will be effective from 1st July to 30th June 2023. Uh, that's 1st July 2022, apologies, to 30th June 2023. Um, and as well, the housing allowance will be increased by 400 rand per month. The over overall effect of this agreement, said ESCOM, on the wage bill will be more than 1 billion rand over the period of the agreement. This, of course, will be a struggle for ESCOM to afford, uh, ESCOM said in a statement on Tuesday. Um, so while everybody would hope that this would mean an, an end to load shedding, that is not the case. The utility has said that uh, an end to load shedding is heavily dependent on uh, folks returning to work and also heavily dependent on um, uh, the backlog of maintenance work that has piled up during the strike. Uh, that now needs to be completed. So uh, ESCOM has said that it hopes to lower load shedding to stage two uh, by the weekend, uh, but whether that will be the case remains to be seen. Um, so yeah, a, a very long strike that's literally threw the country into turmoil. Uh, reminds me of 2018 when a similar pay dispute uh, resulted in massive electricity supply interruptions. Um, we've had to contend with stage six load shedding this week. That's been lowered to stage five. Uh, but yeah, the, the power situation is really, really grim. Uh, folks are exploring alternative energy and all that sort of stuff. Um, yeah, uh, hopefully by the time that this Africast is released, the load shedding situation is a little bit more tenable. Um, but yeah, 7% increase. That's a massive increase. Um, I believe it was, uh, yeah, uh, according to Business Day, Stats SA said on Wednesday that consumer price inflation uh, had risen from 5.2% in May 2021, uh, up from 4.4% in April. Uh, so yeah, it's a, that's a sizable increase, a very, very sizable increase. Um, right. Uh, let's get on to the news of the week or the meat and potatoes of this Africast rather. Um, I think that I speak for us all when I say that we were wrong 
Uh, we were wrong when we believed that God of War Ragnarok would be delayed. Robin, you covered this news yesterday. Do you want to explain why we were wrong? Yes, so um, I guess things are rather quiet on the Santa Monica studio front as regards the release of the game. We had seen some kind of, I guess, uh, early footage and uh, we're really, really highly anticipating the release uh, sometime this year. Um, But as the months progressed uh, and no news was forthcoming, we assumed that like many, I guess, uh, large AAA titles that require massive teams to work on them, that things would probably get pushed back into 2023. And then out of nowhere, uh, yesterday, Santa Monica Studio released a new uh, CG trailer for God of War Ragnarok called Father and Son, and with it came the confirmation of the release date for the game, both on the PS5 and PS4, so it is landing on 9th November this year. Um, along with the with the announcement of the, the release date, um, they also showcased two collector's editions, which we'll get into shortly, but yeah. We now officially have a launch date for the game, uh, like we said, PS5 and PS4, so it's very much following the same model as uh, another PlayStation exclusive did, uh, Horizon Forbidden West, um, and it's likely due to the fact that, one, obviously it's a PlayStation exclusive, but also the fact that there simply aren't enough, I guess, PS5 consoles in the market, so there's not necessarily a return on investment if, for example, Santa Monica Studio said there should only be a PS5 exclusive. So. I guess that's a good thing for people that have PS4s and haven't gotten the chance to get their hands on a PS5. It means to be able to play the game. Um, at the time of recording, we don't have a, a, a recommended pricing. But if we, for example, use um, Horizon Forbidden West, which still has the its launch pricing, um, the PS4 version was retailing for 1,199 Rand. And the PS5 version, that's just like the standard edition, was retailing for 1,369 Rand. And then I guess a, a, a collector's edition or digital edition, uh, the deluxe edition was going for around about 1,500 Rand. So that, I guess, gives us an idea of pricing, but we'll only know officially once Santa Monica Studio or PlayStation reveal uh, all the pricing to us. So yeah, that, that's kind of what where we're sitting at at the moment with uh, God of War Ragnarok. So now, now we can rejoice. We have a release date. They haven't... Have they provided the dollar amount for this big collector's edition which we'll speak about in a minute because we could just convert it but i'm looking at from what i saw there was no um dollar pricing they said that the pre-orders were going to open up in selected regions um from 15th of july so hopefully south africa is one of those selected regions and then we can have a bit more information as to as to those collector's editions um yeah so at the moment i guess that element of the of the announcement was still in the dark about so uh, something I just want to highlight, take a bit of a awkward turn here. Um, the release date of, or the release date of God of War Ragnarok is kind of marred in some controversy. I don't know if you guys saw this, but um, at the end of June, the Summer Games Fest uh, was was happening, and there was a rumor that we would get a release date for God of War Ragnarok. Um, and everybody took that rumor to actually mean gospel truth, and folks started to get really angry uh, when the date wasn't announced. Uh, this kind of culminated, though, last week when 
uh, Sony Santa Monica put out a tweet saying, every single person at Santa Monica Studios is working hard to create a game that we're proud of, one that we hope you will enjoy playing once released. Our fans inspire us and we understand the passion and desire for more information, but that passion should not be toxic nor come at the expense of any human being's dignity. Let's celebrate our community by treating each other, every gamer and developer alike with respect. And this was part of a wider incident that's, that I saw happening online last week where the gaming community seemed to feel like developers owed them something, uh, whether it's release dates or information about um, about games. Like uh, there were reports of developers being sent um, lewd photographs uh, in a bid to get a release date for a game out of the developer. I don't know what? who you are. Yeah, that, this is legitimate. Um, I'll I'll share a link uh, to a podcast from Balula Gaming. Um, that goes into this in detail, but it's just so troubling that we're back here. We're back at this point where uh, the gaming community is turning toxic because things aren't going the way that they hoped they would go. Um, I don't think it's fair to ever harass a developer for anything. Um, and like, I know that some developers do some really awful things, but to harass them online and the folks who work on these games, that's just, that's just disgusting behavior. Um, so while it's nice that we now have a God of War release date, um, I really hope that the gaming community doesn't take this as, oh, if we put pressure on these people, they will respond. Um, yeah, it's just yeah. unfortunate that this is now a situation we sit in where we have a date for a game, but uh, it might not be, it, it might have been, well, it was, it's kind of come after this really disgusting incident. Just don't understand because the, all these big companies, the announcements they do and their business decisions and all the stuff that make people mm. angry, it's with the developers making the decisions, it's the people in the suits, the accountants who are doing it. And I'm not saying, you know, shift your blame and your harassment from the developers to the, you know, the executives. I'm just saying, like, on top of all the idiotic things you're doing by harassing people, you also, you don't even have an understanding of why you're upset and why these decisions are made. So um, I understand what you're saying, Brendan. I hope this yeah. doesn't, you know, start a precedent where they fold to expectations. But I, I'm almost 100% certain that the announcement of the release has nothing to do with this oh, harassment and everything to do with uh, financials. They need to announce it now so they can start marketing and then they can get a bit of, um, you know, quarter and they can satisfy stakeholders. I, I'm almost 100% sure that the, um, again, those executives don't even know that the harassment is happening and it was not even on their radar when they announced this. So at the very least, I'm pretty sure it's not curtailing to them. Yeah, uh, absolutely. I just, I just want to mention it. Like, just, yeah. just because we've now got a release date for God of War doesn't mean that harassment works. Yeah. Um, like Clinton so eloquently put it, is that the folks that are making the game have no say over when the game is released, right? If somebody's responsible for the first, like, half hour of the game's dialogue, they're done. That doesn't mean that the game is done. Anyway, it's it's just, it's really concerning and uh, it's just sad that we've now come full circle and we're back here where the gaming community is being marred by a few toxic individuals. Um, but yeah. Don't learn. <laughs> Every yeah. time there's a controversy, it's like, oh, maybe this time will be different. And then it's the same stuff. Uh, so get, get, get new material, man. Come on. So I do just want to talk about the um, the 
the game God of War Ragnarok. Oh, bit. the actual game. <laughs> the actual game. Because um, we talked about everything else around it. Um, but I don't know about you guys, but I really, really need to get my hands on a PlayStation 5 to play this game. Um, I know that eventually it'll be released on, on PC, but man, after playing God of War on PC and seeing how good it looks, I don't want to play this on PS4. Do you think that people who play on PS4 are going to have like a worse experience? Um, Robin, you go first because I was talking quite a bit there and I, I also have stuff to say about this. Yeah, um, I don't necessarily think a worse experience. I think um, although there are going to be a PS4 and PS5 version, I think uh, the way we've been kind of hyping up the game and your expectations for it is that the PS5 would be quote unquote the best experience? Mm. You know, a PS a PS5 with a 4K capable TV, like just kind of immersing yourself in everything that the that the Santa Monica Studio has kind of worked on. Um, that would probably be the best experience. I don't think you necessarily get a subpar experience on PS4, but if you are fortunate enough to have that kind of hardware available, you obviously want to then experience the best possible version of the game. So. Um, I guess I'm kind of sitting on the fence. I don't think you'll get a bad experience on PS4. It's just that I think if you're going to be throwing this much money at a game, you want to make sure that it's best possible. Yeah. Clinton? Two minds about this because I want to say that the original God of War was made for PS4 and that looks so amazing. And even if you go back and you play it now on PS4, it looks great. Yeah. And because of that, I want to say, oh, you know, they did it on PS4, so this new one should be good. But... I think the difference is on that uh, on the older one, on the first one, um, it was made from the ground up for PS4, and I really think that this new game has the PS5 as the lead console, and mm. you know, usually the lead uh, software looks the best. So, again, I don't want to say, oh, it's going to be good, it's going to be bad before ever seeing anything about it, but I do think that the PS5 is going to be much better, not just in terms of you know, maybe this one's at 4k and then the ps4 is in 1080p um i don't think that would be the case it just might be that the ps5 is where the lion's share of the development work was done mm. even if they come out and they say oh we had a full team doing ps4 and everything i'm not saying they're lying i'm just saying that i know that the ps5 got more attention yeah i mean um, it is the current generation console and i do like God of War the, or 2018 was very much a system seller for, for PlayStation. Like, yeah, that is undeniable. And I believe that maybe this could be the same thing. Just I, at the same time, like moments after Sony, Sony Santa Monica made this, uh, uh, <laughs> this announcement, or Santa Monica Studio, sorry. Uh, moments after they made this announcement, uh, Forspoken announced that they were delaying their release until 24th of January, so, which is another PlayStation game. Now, I know, I know, I know that the, the, the launch was probably long in discussion and it was purely coincidental, but it's just too much of a coincidence for me. Yeah, I actually wanted to bring that up, other games coming out. So this is November 9th, right? Yeah. Pokemon um, Scarlet and Violet are almost certainly going to be the biggest games of the year and that's not me being a nintendo fanboy i think if you've listened to past podcasts you know that i actually have a few uh big problems with nintendo and especially the pokemon franchise as a longtime fan so when we talk about this now i hope people don't think i'm i'm rooting for one or the other but i just think it's very interesting that god of war is coming out on 9th november 
And the new Pokemon games are coming out on 18th November. I mean, that's just over a week later. And I understand the 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 thinking that one is a PlayStation exclusive, one is a Nintendo Switch exclusive, and that makes them not competitors. I understand that train of thought, but a lot of people own both consoles, and a lot of people will only have the money to buy one of these games. So I understand completely different systems, but they are, at the end of the day, competitors. I think it's really interesting that Sony is going up against them, kind of. Um, Again, this is not my fanboyism. You can look at the millions and millions of units that each Pokemon game sells, even the games that people consider bad, like Sword and Shield, they just sell an insane amount of units. There's a reason Pokemon is the biggest media franchise in the world ever. So... Yeah, maybe I'm off my rockers. Maybe you guys disagree with me that they kind of soft. I do disagree with you. I do disagree with you because I think they've got more. So I think they are two different games. I agree with you that there is crossover, but like God of War is very much a narrative first player game that's telling you a story, wants you to engage with it for however long it is, and then you walk away from it. And Pokemon is the type of game that you will keep playing for a couple of months, maybe years after its release. I yeah. think that they're two completely different styles of game. Um, I get that the price thing is something that will factor in. Mm. Um, but like, I mean, I, I I will I am looking to move mountains to get my hands on a PlayStation 5 before uh, this release so that I can play this game. Because, I mean, for one, Santa Monica Studio is just so damn good. Uh, if you haven't played God of War 2018... Um, and you have a PC or a PlayStation, you you have to play it. It's yeah. it is phenomenal from beginning to end. Um, I actually when I played it on PlayStation, I, I sat down for a weekend and did not move until I finished the game, um, which is something that I've I haven't done since like I was a teenager. But I yeah. I just think that this is such a big title, um, probably bigger than Elden Ring. Elden Ring is no longer game of the year if this comes out. Um, but wow, yeah. Brendan, Brendan's allegiance. I mean, I'm just being, so I'm fast. just being, no, I'm just being, I'm just being fair here and honest. Like, Elden Ring is great, but it's not perfect, and I'm pretty sure that Santa Monica Studio is working to make this as perfect as possible. It probably won't be perfect, but it'll be damn near close. Robin, why do you think? Do you think I'm also off my rock as comparing these two? Um, so I kind of get really what you're talking about. Uh, it depends on the region. So somewhere like Japan, you'll probably have a lot of uh, players that have both consoles or have access to both kind of platforms uh, to enjoy the game. Um, for me, though, it, it, it's probably going to be more important whether or not PlayStation decide to make it add the ability to kind of upgrade from PS4 version to PS5. Um, because I don't think there will be enough hardware to kind of I, I don't know, to kind of hedge their bets uh, before the end of the year. I don't yeah. think we're going to see a lot of PS5s in the market. So I think what a lot of people will want to try and do is get the PS4 version, and once a PS5 becomes available, then upgrade. But uh, from so, what I'm seeing here, I'm not seeing any detail around that yet. I don't know if you've got other information on that. No, yes, I, I, I do. It was in the uh, in the thing. It says if you buy Ragnarok on PS4, you can pay $10 to upgrade to the PS5 version. 
Yeah, I think that's a really smart move. That, I think that's what a lot of people are going to do. Um, I'm, I guess, in the more fortunate position where I have a PS5 on long loan. So I'll probably go for something like the, the digital deluxe edition. Uh, I don't have the money to kind of go for the, the collector's editions. Um, uh, I have other things like food and rent to so, worry about. Two-minute <laughs> noodles, bro. <laughs> so let, let's talk about the different versions. Robin, again, sorry, you, you did cover this. What are the different versions and what do they offer that isn't just the base game? All right. So outside of the base game, there is the deluxe, digital deluxe edition uh, that obviously includes a, a code for you to redeem either the PS4 or PS5 versions of the game. Um, the kind of in-game cosmetics you're getting, you're getting uh, Darkdale armor for Kratos, uh, Darkdale attire, they're not calling it armor for some reason, uh, for Atreus. Um, you're also getting some Darkdale cosmetics for the weapons uh, for uh, both the, the Blades of Chaos and the Leviathan Axe, which is still, in my view, one of the best weapons in recent gaming history. Um, you're also getting a version of the digital soundtrack. Um, there's also a digital mini art book, uh, a set of avatars, and interestingly, a PS4 theme only. I'm guessing th there's a PS... It'll just kind of port over to the PS5 yeah. if you have a PS5. Um, then I guess the collector's edition... And the Yotna edition are, the, I guess, the big ticket items. Um, so in the collector's edition, obviously all the stuff I mentioned already from the digital deluxe, you're also getting a steelbook display case, uh, two-inch Dania twins carvings. Um, so these are little wooden carvings that um, oh, Atreus yeah. carves in the game. Yeah. Um, you're also getting a set of dwarven dice. And a 16-inch replica of Mjolnir that um, there's actually an unboxing video that uh, Ryan Hurst, who's voicing Thor yeah. in the game, uh, he kind of goes through both box sets, which is, which is quite cool. Um, so you're going to get to see what you're getting for your money. Um, on the Jotna edition, the kind of other elements, apart from what I've already mentioned, is you're getting a 7-inch vinyl record with music that uh, Bear McCreary uh, created for the game. Um, you're also getting a, a three pins, one's a falcon, a bear, and a wolf. That refers to Faye, who is, I guess, one of the new antagonists from the game. Um, and then uh, the bear is Kratos, and the wolf is, of course, Atreus. Um, then you're getting, I think I'm pronouncing this correctly, a, a Draupner ring, which is uh, apparently a ring from Norse mythology. I'm not fully cleared up on that, so I don't want to talk too much about it. Um, you also get a, another a set of dice. A cloth map, um, and obviously the the sixteen inch Mjolnir replica. So there's quite a bit of uh, of merch that's going to be involved with these editions. So I much. Just want to yeah, I just <laughs> want to mention this quick. Um, so Lego actually makes a Mjolnir itself that is also supposed to be full sized. Um, so sixteen inches. I'm just trying to do some math conversions. So Lego's hammer is. If this thing would load, a uh, two thousand one hundred rand, right? And it is, and you don't even get a game. Yeah, you don't even get a game. <laughs> so uh, I'm just doing some quick conversion on the fly. Sixteen inches is forty centimeters, and Lego's hammer is forty six centimeters. So it's actually bigger. But again, you don't get a game, and I think the collector's edition of uh, Ragnarok will be more than 2,100. Wait, wait, wait. Hang on, though. Does the collector's edition include the game? 
Yes. 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 Are, are we sure? Because there's been oh, yeah. where people don't include the collector, the game in you, the collector's edition. Yeah. You so are. There's a printed right. voucher code. Okay. okay. The full. Why? So why don't they give you? Just want to make sure the voucher code is there. That's such BS. Why don't they? Well, at least the game is included. Like Brendan says, there have been um, collector's editions which don't include the game, which is the most bizarre it's thing. ridiculous it's so I, bizarre the only justification i've seen in the past is when they say that the game is coming out on multiple systems so you can't be locked into one yeah. thing which which i kind of understand because a lot of the times i want a game on pc and in south africa for some reason they don't import the collector's edition for pc they only bring it in for console mm. so i can kind of understand the justification like i was really considering buying the doom eternal collector's edition that has the wearable helmet and i kind of regret not buying it um but for that i could only get playstation or xbox but i wanted pc so i kind of understand the justification for not including the download or a disc but i mean um, it's 2022 you can create a website where people can put in a code mm. and they can claim for the platform of their choice yeah Come yeah, a hundred percent. I think that's you're right, Brennan. That would save them so much. <laughs> if Brennan, you just solved it. You should probably trademark that because surely it's a lot of work to bring in. Oh, how many units of Xbox are we yeah. going to bring in? How many units of PlayStation? If you don't need to worry about a disc, why don't you just say, "Here's a code. Go to this website and redeem the code and choose your." I can't take credit for it because, like, AMD and Nvidia have been doing this for years, so. I mean, you solved it, Brendan. <laughs> I, I can't believe it. You just solved the problem of collector's editions in South Africa. Oh right. my God. It's, it's really irritating. So I want to just pivot uh, to one reason why I am slightly worried about God of War Ragnarok. Uh, and that's because there was another sequel that uh, is coming out this week, I believe, Clinton, but you saw it this week. Uh, and that's Thor Love and Thunder. Um, yes. Which is the the I suppose the follow up to Thor Ragnarok, the next yes. movie, uh, the 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 greatest uh, MCU movie since uh, uh, what was it, um, Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness. Um, but yeah, Clinton, tell us more yes. about Thor: Love and Thunder. Does it have that Ragnarok flair? So let's get some naming things out of the way because it's a bit confusing. So God of War Ragnarok is the new God of War game. But Thor Ragnarok is the old Thor movie, and the new one is called Love and Thunder. So Did I mess I'm sure it up? If, I'm sure I messed no, up. No, no, no. You you got it right. I just want you you didn't mess it up. I wanted to just clarify, clarify yeah, because yeah. we talk we're throwing around a lot of Ragnaroks in this conversation. So I wanted to put that out. So yes, that is out this week. Um, it is tomorrow, the eighth of July. Although, like I wrote on the site, um, there are public screenings tonight, seventh of July, that you can see it one day early. Um, and I saw it yesterday, I saw a press preview, and you can check out my review. And like Brendan said, this is it isn't it is a continuation of Ragnarok in the sense that it's the next movie from the franchise and it's got Thor. And it's also a continuation because of the fact that there's so many returning people, both in the cast and um, you know, behind the camera. Taika Watiti returns as the director. Um Thor is back, uh, Tessa Thompson returns as Valkyrie, and Watiti again returns as Korg. Um, kind of became a breakout fan of uh, Ragnarok. Breakout fan, favorite character of Ragnarok. And from what we saw before this movie released, it seemed like more of the same. And I think I discussed it on another podcast where 
like Ragnarok, it is taking a lot of comic book arcs, like entire comic book arcs that played out over many years and kind of cramming them into one movie. And those, the two big arcs were that of um, Gore the God Butcher, who was an alien who was uh, betrayed by the gods or let down by the gods and get something called the Necrosword that allows him to kill them. And he goes across the universe killing gods, which is obviously a problem for Thor, who is a god. Um, and the other comic arc that they have adapted for this movie is that of the Mighty Thor. So the Mighty Thor is not Thor Odinson. It is Jane Foster. So Thor's ex-girlfriend, she has been missing from the MCU for a long time, but she, she wasn't dead. She was just, you know, Natalie Portman was doing other stuff. Um, I think after Thor The Dark World, which most people involved in that movie didn't like, um, she kind of took a break from the MCU, but she's back. And she has picked up Mjolnir. Um, that hammer was destroyed in Ragnarok, and we have not seen it for a while. And it's back, and it kind of looks like it's just been glued back together. It's actually quite funny, the, the way it looks. And um, that is all revealed in the trailers and the official synopsis. So I'm not spoiling anything, and in the quick discussion we're going to have of the movie now, I'm not going to spoil anything at all. So I don't think this movie is as good as Ragnarok. I don't think it's actually even close. Um, I think Ragnarok, it, Ragnarok also adapted several comic arcs like... Um, uh, what's it called, World War Hulk and a few other ones that I can't remember off the top of my head. And it kind of pulled it off really well. Um, even though there was so much to do and you only had like two hours of runtime to do it, Ragnarok pulled it off and it also did a lot of its own interesting stuff. And I don't think Love and Thunder did that. Um, it is it, it is really weird in its pacing. It feels like all the events... You're not sure how long these events take. Does the movie take place over one day? Does it take place over six months? Does it take place over a week? The way it paces itself is completely weird and off-putting, and it really feels like it's, it wasn't storyboarded enough to make more sense to people who are watching it. So that was all messed up. The acting was a very much a mixed bag. Um, so Thor, Gore the God Butcher was actually played by Christian Bale and a lot of people looking forward to his performance and if you look at the cast it's easy to say oh he's the best I don't want to say he's the best actor or the best part of the cast but I think if people looked at that cast you would expect the most from Bale and his performance was just kind of disappointing he came across like a weird British guy in a Halloween costume and I understand, you know, they are just people in costumes. But, you know, you watch Thor, who, uh, you know, Chris Hemsworth as Thor. He has been doing this so long and he really has it down pat. And you feel like you're not watching Chris Hemsworth. It feels like you're watching Thor. But all I saw on Christian Bale was Christian Bale in some white makeup and a bold cap. So, yeah, he was really disappointing. I've seen some discourse on Twitter this morning when I logged in. I saw that Gore was trending on Twitter. So, I. I read a bit and I understand why some people might like him and I understand why some people may absolutely hate what he did in this performance. I can understand both sides, but for me, it wasn't that good. Um, the music, it feels so weird to say I didn't like what they did with the music because if you watch the trailers, it's a lot of ACDC, 80s songs, really stuff that people love, but it, it didn't fit the movie. And again, I mentioned this in the review, which I'll link to, if you consider like the first Guardians of the Galaxy, which also used songs from that era, that made sense because 
the music from Earth from that era was central to Peter Quill's story and his, you know, personality. The awesome mixtape which he has is the last fragment of Earth that he has. It's the last fragment of his mother. And that alien nature, a human in the universe who's an alien to literal aliens, that's a big central theme of the movie. And that's why the music makes sense. But here, it doesn't. I don't understand why they leaned on this 80s theme because... There's nothing 80s about this movie. It doesn't use the aesthetic from the 80s. It doesn't use the themes from the 80s. It just thinks, oh, they have cool logos and cool music in the 80s. So we're going to use this in this movie. I, I, I have an explanation for it. Yes, it's really cool. No, That's why they... Yes. Time is just a flat circle and the mm. 80s is in fashion again. Look at Stranger Things. Oh, yeah. Running up that hill. Now, Master of Puppets from Metallica is trend. I mean, is everybody's just living in the 80s because the 2020s suck. Yeah, probably. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, the, the acting, the story, the music, and even the, the CGI, and I mentioned this again a lot in the, in the review... Marvel CGI, I don't know what's going on at Marvel or at um, Marvel Studios or at Disney. Their CGI has been awful for the last few years. I don't know what happened. I don't know if the, it was the pandemic. I don't know what's going on. Their, their effects are just bad. So uh, I just, I, I want I, I to I defend you here because yes. I used to think that you were overreacting. I used to think, okay, it may, may, maybe Clinton's just a bit too critical <laughs> of Marvel CGI. But when I recently watched Multiverse of Madness and I saw some of the CGI there, I was just like, what, what is this? What is this? What is Disney doing? Yeah, Disney it, has infinite money. It's noticeably bad. And like, even with things like, and I don't know if it's just Disney Plus being terrible and having terrible compression and just being a terrible platform from beginning to end. Um, but it's so much more noticeable on Disney Plus. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, I just I want to defend you and say that you are absolutely right. The MCU CGI of late has been really bad. They yeah, yeah. I, I, sorry I to the people who work on it. Sorry to the people who work on it. I know you probably do a good job and you work hard, but it's just it's just seems not up to par for the uh the budgets of these things. Yeah, I can confirm for you it's not just the Disney Plus. The in theater experience is also pretty bad. And again, those are some harsh words, but I think if you see this movie, you will agree with me. And there's a particular scene, oh my god, there's a scene involving children, and I, I won't spoil it, that sounds weird. There's a scene with a lot of uh, younger characters who are like in a fight, uh, and all of those children are CGI'd, and they look like Chucky. They look absolutely terrifying. You know, when you see, like, an adult who has been CGI recreated, it might look a bit rubbery or a bit not right, but it becomes extra creepy when it's a child. I don't know if it's the, the Chucky effect or what it is. There's, yeah, there, there's a scene at the end of the movie that I think once the movie's out and people, like, record it on their phone in the theater, don't do that, by the way, that is going to do the round on Twitter, and they're going to be like, oh, my God, this is terrifying. Why did they let this be released so yeah i i don't want to talk about it much more because I, I don't want to go into spoiler territory you can check out my review there's zero spoilers in the review um robin you've been a bit silent on this one are you looking forward to it have i you know doused your expectations what do you think of this one yeah i think uh, in general my expectations for marvel films uh over the past year have been doused um 
wasn't a fan of No Way Home, uh, wasn't a fan of Multiverse of Madness. Um, and from all accounts, it seems like, um, although Thor Ragnarok was really good because it was almost separate from everything else that was happening in the MCU, it was, it was a, allowed it to kind of tell its own contained story. And a lot of the choices really worked. Choice of Led Zeppelin as kind of Thor's kind of like anthem for the film was great. And it seems like now that they're trying to ham-fist all these other characters and try and hit all the same marks that in Ragnarok that they actually ended up missing it. Would that be a kind of a, a fair assessment? 100%. I also think that a big reason why Ragnarok was so beloved is that it was so different. But maybe a reason that myself and a few early reviews who also agree with me, uh, the reason why we're a bit critical is that that surprise factor is gone and they're just kind of resting on their laurels. We're like, oh, if it worked once, we can just make it work again. And it really didn't work the second time around. Um, yeah, I 100% agree with you on that one, Robin. Um, even though I really like Multiversal Madness. It was so nice to see um, Sam Raimi doing Sam Raimi stuff. But that was, that was the only saving grace for me of Multiverse, was that it was Sam Raimi just doing crazy stuff. Yeah. I 100% agree that people can go into a Marvel movie and feel like you're just getting the same experience, but mm. then the director puts a slight twist on it. And it's just like, this is the Marvel movie that's Taika Waititi themed. This is the Marvel <laughs> movie that's Sam Raimi themed. I 100% agree with you. And after watching all the Marvel Disney Plus shows, man, a lot of those shows are just not worth your time. But then wow. again, the... Wow. They, wow. They're not. They're not. They, they, I agree with you. I, I'm, I'm saying Moon wow. Moon Knight was the like, biggest disappointment. Uh, Ever. Oh, Sorry, what? Moon what Knight. was a disappointment? Oh, yeah, that was... Yeah, and even now, I've, I mean, I watched the latest um, episode of Miss Marvel yesterday. Even that show, which started out really strong and people were saying, oh, it's doing so much cool stuff in terms of its setting and the way it presents stuff, like the, the murals on the walls come to life. Yeah, but then at the end of the day, it's still the same stuff and it's just like, now we're going to put like a an urban spin on it <laughs> that that's the flavor of the show um and then again the star wars stuff was even worse i i cannot get oh, over and, how and ins- is going to be writing a star wars project, yeah i so. i cannot get over how insufferable the book of boba fett was what a waste of time can, my god can psycho just make like weird stuff can he just do that? Can that be his thing? Like, yeah, go back to making weird indie stuff. Too. Yeah, like Hunt for the Wilder People and Jojo. And like, come on. Like, stop. It's all hilarious to me that he was Hitler in, the, in that movie, <laughs> mate. That was, uh, that was funny. I need to watch the rest of that. I think I'll watch it. What so- we do in the shadows is like his best thing. And <laughs> like, it, wh- wh- why? Just do that. Come on. Well, probably because he just being gets. Mean. But it's Probably just because he, he gets a huge sack of money with a dollar sign on it um, when, to make these movies. So, I mean, look, uh, his name is a name that kind of makes me go, I could watch that. So Yeah, get um, that bag. That of. is disappointing. Uh, <laughs> and it, it does make me kind of want to temper my expectations for God of War uh, Ragnarok because, yeah, I don't want to disappoint myself. Um, that having been said, I have the utmost confidence in Corey Barlog it is Barlog, right? I didn't mess it up this uh, time. It is, but it didn't he leave? No, he's still I, there. No, he's still there. He's not helming the project. He's kind of in the more in the background this time. Oh, okay, uh, right. Yeah, I, I remember reading that he 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 didn't leave, but he like moved positions or something okay. like that. So well, that's fine. 
Yeah. Um, but yeah, I have the greatest confidence in that team. Um, they love that IP. Uh, and the, yeah, the 2018 game is still fantastic. Like I said, you should play it. Um, uh, Clinton, I just want to ask uh, in conclusion, yes. would you recommend folks go and watch Thor Love and Thunder in uh, the cinema or wait a month until it gets launched on Disney Plus? <laughs> think you should just wait for it to go on disney plus i mean even if you're a even if you're like me and you've been watching absolutely everything since flipping 2008 with iron man even if you've been watching everything i just don't feel a massive need to run out spend extra money going to a theater to see this one um even if you're a huge fan of thor maybe just rewatch ragnarok and wait a month for it to come out on disney plus cool Right, and that's going to wrap it up from us for this week. Thank you so much for tuning in to the Africast. This week we're not sponsored. Can you believe it? It's like the first one in like uh, two months. (laughs) Uh, But thank you so much for tuning in. Uh, That doesn't mean that we don't want sponsors. Yes, please. Please sponsor us. Please sponsor the Africast. (laughs) uh, We'd love to to feature your brand. Info at htxt.co.za. Yes, we're selling out. It's our podcast. We get paid. (laughs) So, uh, yeah. From myself, Brendan Lott, Cheerio, from Clinton Matos. Hi, everybody. And from Robin Lee Chessy. Thank you, everyone. We'll see you next week. Goodbye. Bye. Cheers. We're sorry, the number you have dialed is not in service at this time.